Hello, happy Sunday, and welcome to Sunday School. How are y'all feeling this wonderful day? Uh, well, it's wonderful for us of those <clears throat> who are free in the world. Not so wonderful for those who are still in captivity. Uh, this is the 121st day of the hostages being held by Hamas. And uh, before I get into the regular Sunday school stuff, uh, I wanted to present a little uh, flyer that I made for uh, an upcoming mitzvah. Uh, where the uh, pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas people are going to demand a permanent ceasefire on the part of Israel, uh, which of course Hamas is repeatedly rejected because they're refusing to give the uh, hostages back and, well, they don't want a ceasefire, they want war. <laughs> um, but in uh, Peoria, Illinois, on the 13th of February, there will be a bunch of them sitting on our city hall, and I decided to go uh, and stand in defense of Israel. Uh, I'm not there to defend Netanyahu or any specific Israeli politician, of course. Uh, I'm there to defend Jewish lives and let them know that Jewish lives matter, uh, that Jewish blood is not cheap. You don't just get to kill a bunch of Israelis, mostly Jews, um, and you don't get to just kill people like that and have no recompense. Um, so let me show you guys the flyer. So basically, as you see, it had everything that I was just saying there, February 13th, Peoria City Hall, City Council meeting. Uh, we want to be there by 5.45 p.m. at the latest, if you're going to show up. If I show up alone and there's no one uh, that's available to stand with me, I will still stand. I've stood alone before and I will do it again. I have no fear of these people. I have no fear because I know that God is on my side and I'm on his side as well. Uh, so I would say wish me luck, but I don't need it. Next, uh, while we're on the topic of um, Hamas and hostages, uh, I'm going to play a short, uh, about five minutes, um, video that I have. And um, essentially, it's just um, 
discussing a theory that I have about Hamas, um, and it's it's got a biblical basis, and I've, so I figured it should go on to uh, Sunday school here, and um, people that are like viewing it either live and haven't seen this video or getting a chance to see it for the first time now, or people who are viewing it on Spotify and um, you know maybe don't use the social media or whatever they uh, are getting a chance to see it on Spotify. So hear me out. I have a theory, it sounds weird, but it makes sense. I believe that Hamas, the terrorist group Hamas, are um, not actually Islamic, uh, not in the Think of it. Day. Anyway, I believe they are practicing a syncretic belief system and that they actually worship uh, an ancient Semitic demon god named Hemos. What's that? So, in the Hebrew, it roughly comes out as Kamas. Uh, some pronunciations may have pronounced it as Hemos. But anyway, uh, it was the patron god of the Moabites. If you remember the Moabites from the Torah, what do they say? Oi, lacha, Moab. Okay, it's, what does that mean? Woe to you, Moab. Woe to, to the Moabite people. So why do I think that Hamas, besides the similarity in the name, is actually worshippers of this? So, first let me explain that Hamas is a warrior god with a martial role. Um, they called him the subduer of the enemies of Moab. And um, the activities and belief system um, that it seems that the terrorist group Hamas uh, is doing seem to fit uh, this Moabite cult. So, first of all, everything about Hamas is war. Um, Misha recorded in the Victory Stele that he had built a high place dedicated to Hamas in the citadel of the Moabite capital of Daivan to thank the God for assuring his triumph in the military campaign against the Israelites. Oh, what does that sound like? Military campaign against the Israelites. Um, so, let me clarify also that the Moabites and their gods were worshipped among the Canaanites. And the tradition tells us that God told us to go in and to clear the land of the Canaanites. Uh, that Joshua was, was to lead us in, you know, the story of the blowing the horns of Jericho, all that stuff. The instruction from Hashem was to wipe out the Canaanites. Uh, probably why, it sounds kind of harsh, but probably because of their beliefs and the belief that human sacrifice was acceptable and uh, that it would make it very dangerous for the Israelites to live there. Um, so, human sacrifice. The Moabites considered human sacrifice to Hamas to be necessary to obtain the favor of Hamas in critical situations. Uh, and one form of human sacrifice to Hamas was performed by Moabite kings to thank him for the accomplishment of a vow made to him in a military context. That is, in exchange for Moabite's victory in war, the enemy population defeated in said war was killed in the name of Hamas. What does this sound like? They're not just fighting the warriors. They're killing the population of the civilians of the enemy in the name of this God for the purpose of they believe it will bring them victory. This is attested when Mesha had embarked on a policy of conquest of the Israelite territories in the 9th century uh, before the Common Era, and he slaughtered all the inhabitants of the Gadite city, Ataroth, as an accomplishment of a vow he made to Hamas. 
Any enemy populations defeated in war were also directly sacrificed to Hamas, such as when, following his capture of Edoroth, Misha conquered the town of Nebo. He sacrificed the whole Israelite population of the town to Hamas. Uh, well, actually to Ashtar Hamos, which is a, a, another regional god uh, that they link together, likely because Ashtar's function as an avenger deity who is in, invoked in curses against enemies. The Hebrew Bible um, states that Mesha sacrificed his own son to Hamos on the wall of his city when faced with a difficult situation in war, after which Hamos rewarded Mesha by immediately starting to destroy the kingdom of Israel. The claim that Mesha sacrificed his son to Hamos has so far remained unverifiable, but it is what the tradition teaches. They also practice animal sacrifice. If you notice Hamas, the terrorist group, went in and killed lots of pets uh, and animals in Israel. After Misha conquered Nebo, he was brought all the lambs to the sanctuary of Hashem, the god of the Israelites, at Nebo to the sanctuary of Hamash, where he sacrificed them, all of the lambs, sacrificed them to Hamash. Um, the Moabite kings built sanctuaries for Hamash to thank him uh, once they had obtained his favor, as attested in the victory stella of Misha, recording that he had built a high place dedicated to Hamash in the citadel of the Moabite cap capital to thank the god for assuring his triumph in his military campaign against the Israelites. So, what does this say to me? This says to me that these, yes, these guys, these Hamas guys, they have been there as long as the Jews. Maybe not all Palestinians have, definitely not all Palestinians. There were no Arabs at that time in that area. But there were Canaanites and people who worshiped these Semitic gods. So I believe these guys, these hardcore Hamas, anti-Israel people, they're actually the descendants of the Canaanites who we did not slaughter. And we are paying in blood now for that failure. Um, and frankly, that's all I have to say about that. Okay, so uh, I think you got the point with that one. Uh, I believe they're not worshiping the God of Abraham, Hamas, and, and people who would go to that you know bloodthirsty level of killing for their cause uh they are in fact in the grips of uh a demon and they are convinced that is the god of abraham but it's not because he would not promote what they're promoting okay and uh and what they're doing so, now to your regularly scheduled Sunday school programming. Um, we're in the, this, yeah, the Sidur Sim Shalom. Uh, and again, I like Shochenod. Uh, it's normally read on Shabbat. Obviously, this is not Shabbat, but it's not uh, prohibited to read on other days. Uh, and I just feel that it's kind of fitting um, for Sunday school. And I'm going to translate it uh, for, I don't remember if I did on the last show or not, but in English it says, He inhabits eternity, sacred and exalted. As the psalmist has written, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. By the mouth of the upright you are extolled. By the words of the righteous, you are praised. By the tongue of the faithful, you are acclaimed. In the heart of the saintly, you are hallowed.
Among assembled throngs of the house of Israel in every generation shall your name be glorified in song. So that's our little beginning. Uh, and of course, that is uh, a psalm from King David. David Hamelech, King David. So as uh, I guess has become the norm or the new tradition, the Minchag Chagash. Um, I'm just going to grab a Pumash. Uh, this is the book that we read every week with our Torah readings and the prophets and everything. And writing. And um, I'm going to just run my finger along it. Until I just pick a random page and we'll talk about what the meaning of the content on that page is. Okay, so here we are. Uh oh, I got, I go to the first one and the second one. We'll go to the second one since the first one I dropped my finger in. Well, actually, let's, let's, let's look at both of them. Maybe there's some meaning there, right? First thing we get is from the book of Judges. Obviously, this is uh, not from the Torah. This is in the Tanakh. Where I put my finger down. Uh, this is the story of Sisera. So, uh, Devorah was a prophetess and a judge and a great military leader. And uh, we're kind of jumping into the middle of her story with Barak. Uh, and there was Kishon Sisera, who's the captain of Jabin's army, uh, chariots, all that stuff. So we're going to start um, in Judges 4, 7. Oh, wait. How about, yeah. And I will draw unto thee the brook Kishon Sarah, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thy hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thy honor. For the Lord will give Sisera over into the hand of a woman. This is an important moment and I'm going to comment on that uh, and I don't even know if they discuss this in the commentary no not so much um, give Cicera over into the hand of a woman is not just her mentioning that she's a woman uh, it is specifically for the purpose of emasculating someone who thought he was higher than 
the highest men among the Israelites. So this is to emasculate him and to bring him down to earth, kick him off his high horse. Not only are you defeated, but you were defeated by a woman. That's not normal in the ancient world, especially. You will see this motif repeated when you see recently IDF woman leading uh, a handful of Hamas terrorists with their hands in the air, uh, you know, down the street with her arms. Of course, they were ready to, you know, rape all the women on October 7th. But um, when it comes down to a tough woman, they're not ready for it. Okay. Maybe there's a message in that uh, as well in regards to what I've just discussed about me personally uh, as a woman, as a Jewish woman going to uh, oppose these uh, genocidal hordes on the 13th. So let's go for it. For the Lord will give Sisera over into the hand of a woman. And Devorah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together to Kadesh. And there went up 10,000 men at his feet, and Devorah went up with him. Now Hever the Kenite had severed himself from the Kenites, even from the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far as Elon Bezanini, which is by Kadesh. And they told Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him from Heroseth Goim unto the brook Kishon. And Devorah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thy hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down to the Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the hosts until Herosa's drawing. And all the hosts of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. There was not a man left. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Yael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Yabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Yael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, In turn, my lord, in turn to me, turn into me, fear not. And he turned in unto her in his tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him to drink and covered him. And he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee. And he say, Is there any man in there? Thou shalt say, No. He wants her to hide him from the Israelites. You understand? Then Yael, Heber's wife, took a tent pin and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him. And poked pen into his temples, and it pierced through into the ground, for he was in a deep sleep. So he swooned and died. 
And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Yael came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, and I will show you the man whom thou seekest. He came unto her, and behold, Sisera lay dead, with the tent pin was in his temple. So God subdued on that day, Yavin the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prevailed more and more against Yavin the king of Canaan until they had destroyed Yavin the king of Canaan. So in the beginning, see there's a little bait and switch there. In the beginning, we thought, Devorah, she's the military leader. She's going down to Kadesh. Hashem will surely be delivering Sisera into the hands of Devorah, right? And she, she said, the Lord will, will, will deliver him into the hands of a woman, which it suggests, it kind of tricks you right there for a moment where you think that woman is Devorah. However, it's not Devorah, it's another woman, Yael, who is not even technically an Israelite, but her tribe are friendly with the Israelites. Um, so Yael, which is also a common name in Israel, uh, took it upon herself, not only to let the Israelites know where this guy was, but to make sure he was dead first. She put the tent pin. You know what a tent spike is? Have you ever, I don't have one with me, but it's a large, they're usually at least something this, this big or big. Back then, could have been iron or wood. We don't, it actually doesn't say what the material is. Uh, but bam, through the head, right here, on the ground, through the whole skull into the ground. She was making sure that dead okay there was no question about it she was sure of it this was part of the war for the israelites in canaan there were other people who were not jews who also saw the evil of these invading troops saw that they wanted nothing more than to wipe out the Israelites and would be friendly and sometimes help. And this is a good example that you don't have to be Jewish to do the Jewish thing, which is, you know, the, the thing that Hashem, the creator, the God of Israel would want. Then saying Devorah and Barak, the son of Abinoam on that day, saying, when men let their hair grow in Israel, when people offer themselves willingly, bless ye, Lord, hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes, I unto the Lord will sing. I will sing praise unto the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when thou didst go forth out of Seir, when thou didst march out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, the heaven also dropped. Yea, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked at the presence of the Lord, even Yon Sinai at the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Yael, the highways ceased, and the travelers walked through 
five ways. The rulers ceased in Israel. They ceased until that thou didst arise, Devorah, that thou didst arise, a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Was there a shield or a spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless you, Lord. Ye that ride on white asses and that sit on rich cloths, and that and ye that walk by the way, tell of it. Louder than the voice of the archers by the watering troughs. There shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord, even the righteous acts of his rulers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the gates. Then made he a remnant to have dominion over the nobles and the people. The Lord made me have dominion over the mighty. Out of Ephraim came they whose roots is an Amalek. Ephraim is the east. And whose root is an Amalek. That's actually southeast. Uh, after the Benjamin, among thy peoples, out of Mahir came down governors, and out of Zebulon they that handled martial staff. And the princes of Issachar were with Devorah, as was Issachar, so was Barak. Into the valley they rushed forth at his feet among the divisions of Reuben. There were great results of heart. Why saidst thou among the sheepfolds to hear the Pipings of the flocks. At the divisions of Ruivain, there were great searchings of heart. Gilead abode above Jordan, and Dan, why doth he sojourn, sojourn by the ships? Asher dwelt at the shore of the sea, and abideth by its bays, and Zebulon is a people that jeoparded their lives into, unto the death. And Naphtali upon the high places of the field. And the kings came and they fought. They fought the kings of Canaan. In Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no grain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. The brook Kishon swept them away. An ancient brook, the brook Kishon. Oh my soul, tread them down with strength. Then did the horseshoes stamp by reason of the prancing, the prancings of their mighty ones. Curse ye, Moroz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly, inhabitants thereof, because they came not to help of the Lord, to help of the Lord against the mighty. Blessed above women shall Yael be, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Above women in the tent, she shall be blessed. Water he asked, milk she gave him. On a lordly bowl, she brought him curd. Her hand she put to the tent pin, and her right hand to the workman's hammer. And with the hammer she smote Sisera, she smote through his head, yea, she pierced and struck through his temples. At her feet he sunk, he fell, he lay at her feet, he sunk, he fell. Where he sunk, there he fell down dead. At her feet he sunk, he fell, he lay. At her feet he sunk, he fell. Where he sunk, he fell down dead. Think about that. What exactly is it? He fell. Yes. But it's emphasizing 
that she witnessed his slow and painful death. Through the window, she looked forth and peered, the mother of Sisera through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariot? The wisest of her princesses as her, yea, she returned to answer to herself. Are they not finding? Are they not dividing the spoil? A damsel, two damsels to every man, to Sisera, a spoil of dyed, dyed garments, a spoil of dyed garments and embroidery, two dyed garments of embroidery for the neck of every spoiler. So perish all thine enemies, O Lord. But they that love him be as the sun when he goes forth in his might. And the land had rest 40 years. This is clearly saying the Israelis, the Israelites were facing a formidable enemy. And those who stood by and watched them fight the mighty and did not help are cursed. Okay, if you don't see that message in today, I can't explain it to you. I think you understand. Now, where my other finger landed was uh, in another, it's weird because it's the beginning of the Haftarah and the end of the Torah portion of Shemot Teruah, rather. And um, so I'm just gonna start at the top of that page and then read to the bottom of that page because I, that's where God put my thumb. <laughs> okay. Uh, Exodus, what is this, 27-17. All of the pillars of the court round about shall be filleted with silver. Their hooks of silver and their sockets of brass. The length of the court shall be a hundred cubits and the breadth every, the breadth 50 everywhere. And the height five cubits of fine twine linen and their sockets of brass. All the instruments of the tabernacle and all service thereof and all the pins thereof and all the pins of the court shall be of brass. This is talking about the construction of the tabernacle uh, before the temple was built. Um, this was the mobile sanctuary that they carried uh, in the desert. And in the commentary, um, it says filleted uh, in, or how do you say that? Bound uh, around with silver. Um, 50 everywhere is a difficult phrase. Its literal meaning is 50 by 50, which Talmud explains by supposing that on the east side of the cord was 50 cubits square. Instruments, tools used in setting up the tabernacle, such as hammers for dragging the pins into the ground, meaning not only did the parts have to be brass? The tools you were making the parts with had to be brass as well. Uh, tabernacle, the word here is used in the widest sense to include the court as well as the holy place and the holy of holies. Service thereof, meaning its workmanship, working on it, building it. Pins means tent pegs. 
tent pins. And all the pins thereof and all the pins of the cord shall be of brass. Brass tent pins just happen to be relating to where I put my other finger in the book of Judges dealing with the tent pin killing the opposing leader that was against the Israelites. Um, so that's deep. Tent pin. Uh, that is your repeating, uh, repetitive, recurring thought <laughs> theme for the for this week. Tent pins. They're sharp. They're brass. They can pierce someone's skull. Be careful with them. They can be used for holiness, as in the tabernacle, or for defense, which is also holiness, but in a less ritualistic sense. And uh, I'll just leave everybody to think about that, because that's a very interesting Sedra uh, connection to uh, Book of Judges, connecting with Exodus, random pages that I stuck my finger in, telling us about tent pins. Who had a tent? Obviously, a lot of people have had tents. Most famous tent, probably in history, is that of Abraham and Sarah, where their tent was open on all sides, to be open to all people. So make of this message what you will. I hope you enjoyed Sunday school today. And I will close by saying the Shema. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echon. Amen. Have a good week. Shavuot Um And please uh, continue to or begin, if you haven't already, uh, praying for the hostages. Have a good day, folks.